Amen. Amen. Bishop asked me to kind of take care tonight. He's in Maine. Uh, he's up at one of our Church of God camp meetings up there just preaching the Word of God. Because, how I many know, we have a gift of a preacher. Amen. We absolutely a gift of a preacher. And, and, and it's, it's one thing for the world to know it and to recognize it. But, how I many know, we've got to recognize it. Amen. And so I want you just to take a few minutes in, in honor of Bishop tonight. I want you to take just stand up just for a few moments while First Lady's in the room. If you would just give them a big old huge God bless you of an honor. Amen. Amen. And I want you to grab your word while you're standing, if you don't mind. Stand up with me on John chapter 9. John chapter 9, I believe, in standing on the word of God. I want to throw this in there that on June 4th and 5th, we will be celebrating uh, Bishop and Renee and their family, Jordan and uh, Destiny. And we want to celebrate them and, and all they do countlessly as a pastor's anniversary. Apostle Kevin Millfield will be here with us. Uh, if you remember, he was in a few years ago. And there is nobody, absolutely nobody, that can bring the word like Kevin Apostle uh, uh, Millfield. I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed. And so on the 4th, we're going to be having a combined service in Nitro with Gandyville and Hurricane and, and, and everybody, all the family. We're going to all come together. Might even throw some pork chops on. Don't know what family does. All the family going to come together at seven, uh, 6 or 7 o'clock. We'll get the times to you and, and, and uh, celebrate together what God is going to do. And then here on this Sunday morning on June 5th, we're going to celebrate here in this house. Amen? Amen. Are you all ready? Are you all there? John chapter 9, verse 1. John chapter 9, verse 1. And as he went along... This is Jesus. He saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, the man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it was day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming, and when no one can work, and while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground, and he made some mud with saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, and the word means sent. Somebody say sent. So that the man went and washed and came home seeing. <laughs> His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Is it, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was, some claimed that he was, others said, No, he only looks like him. <laughs> but he himself insisted, I am the man. I mean, you know, sometimes Jews got to stop and remind yourself, I am the man. How then were our eyes open, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes and told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and I washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. I want to preach a little bit tonight called a place called there. A place called there. You may not be there yet, but there is a place called there. And God is calling you from where you are into a place called there. What you're looking for, what you've been praying for, what you've been begging for, God said until you come there is that place in that there place is what you've been looking for going to begin to happen. Somebody shout there. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, tonight. Father, I thank you, God, for the anointing. I thank you, God, for your presence. I thank you, God, for the praise and the worship, God, that went up tonight. Father, I thank you, God, in advance that someone's going to get saved in this place, that deliverance is going to happen in this place, that a turnaround is going to happen in this place, that, God, we didn't come in here for Wednesday as usual, but, God, we are a group of hungry believers saying we want every single thing that you have for us. And, God, we'll move from where we're at. God, out of comfort, God, out of out of, out of complacency, God, into a place called there, God, to seek you, Father. And we thank you and we worship you, God, in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Look at somebody beside you and say, go there. Go. Just go there. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 47, verse 10, he says to be still and know that I am God. Have you know we all know that verse, don't we? To be still and to know that I am God. The thing about God is, is that there's this complexity of am I to be still or am I to be moving forward? Because there's times in my life that I get too busy in my flesh. I get too distracted in the things around me. I become too much of a Martha and I become too much of a worker in the kingdom that my worship and spirit of Mary that I need to slow down and sit still that I may know him. The thing about God is though is that after you know him and you're still for a moment, the question is why are you still sitting still? Because God is a God of, of, of forward progressive faith. He is constantly moving. There is nothing new within him, but it is constantly new to us. There is constantly an evolution within God that we are going from faith to faith and from glory to glory. That when Jacob finally wrestled with him and said, now, everything that I've been wrestling for, after I stand still and wrestle with you, there is going to be a Jacob ladder that goes higher and higher and higher. And the reality is, am I supposed to stand still or am I supposed to move forward in God? It's a complex question that we've got to ask ourselves. And the reality is, is that when we get so caught up in in our duties or we get so caught up even in the things of the world that that is a moment that we've got to stand still. But the reality is that if you are in the kingdom and you are working hard in the kingdom and God has called you, you've got to be moving for God. Somebody say moving. You've got to get up and start moving in God. That he goes from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Isn't it funny that every storm you go through through, God is just challenging you to stretch your faith to show you that you are going to go from this level of faith to this level of faith after the storm. You don't think you can bear it? You say, God, you put more on me than I can bear. But ain't it funny when you come out of the storm, you've got more faith after the storm than what you went into it. Yeah. I don't know about you. I thank God for the glory I have experienced here on this earth. I thank God that I have seen his hand move. Uh, I've seen his hand move across services and across the world, across crusades. I have seen his glory. But what I have seen is not enough. But I have want to see from glory to glory, come on now, that it's never enough. That I don't want to become so complacent in him 
so content in him that I begin to miss that there is more. Somebody say more. There is more in God. There is a glory that we can walk into. There is a glory that when you walk into it, it is different than anything else you have ever experienced. There is a glory that when it is that when you are in it, it doesn't just make you stand up and shout. It doesn't just make you run around the room. But there is a level in the weight of glory that will make men fall on their face in repentance. And until I begin to see that awakening begin to shift around the world, have you know we've got to go from glory to glory to glory. The Bible says, he that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Can I just preach a little bit like an evangelist tonight? I just feel that the reality is that, that there, he says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. We need a generation. We need a church. We need a kingdom. We need a region to rise up and say, I'm hungry for more of the things of God. I need every single thing about God. I, I'm not content with what I've just seen, but I want to progressively find out more and more and more about him. He is always revealing a place about himself. If you look at throughout the word of God in the, in the Old Testament, every time you think you've learned something about him, he will reveal more about himself. He will show you that if you're in, in, in a place of peace, he'll show you that I am the God of peace. Yeah. That if you're in a place where you need healing, yes, you may have learned me of peace, but now learn me that I am a God of healing. Come on now. And you may have learned of peace and healing, but then you'll get to a place where God, that I need some things in my life taken care of, and he'll stand up and show you that he is the God of more than enough. And he constantly will be revealed. That's why when the angels look in heaven, they are calling out holy, holy, holy. And they never stop saying holy because every time they look at God, God is revealed to him saying there is something more holy about him. Yeah, yeah somebody give him praise right there. Idleness in our faith, idleness in our kingdom. The reality is idleness is what stops the forward progression of faith. Idleness. Complacency is the thing that stops vision. When we become complacent in God, we experience him, we get on fire for God, we experience him, and we see moves of God, and we see God working, and we see many souls into the kingdom. But if we're not careful, because of our human nature, we become even complacent in him. And the complacency is what stops the vision. Proverbs 132 says, it's in the message version, it says, carelessness kills, but complacency is murder. Isn't it funny that we proclaim a vision, we put vision in front of people, but when we're careless with the vision, when we don't take the vision too seriously, when it's just words from the pulpit, when it's just words from a back room, that we become careless with it rather than running with it and seeing it fulfilled. And when we become complacent in the kingdom, it begins to murder the very things that God is wanting to do in our lives. I saw a friend post this on Facebook today, and I wanted to repeat it because it was right in line with where I was going tonight. But it said you need to stay away from still people. You need to stay away from some still people. People that are still complaining. Some people that are still whining. 
Some people that are still hating. Some people that are still negative. People that are still stuck. People that are still going nowhere. People that are still thinking the pew is the goal. People that still think that the pew is the goal. No, no, no. When I got saved, he didn't save me and there was a completion or that was the finish line. But baby, I want to let you know when God saved you, it is just the beginning of your life. Yeah. That's why he said, you have been reborn or born again in me. And I don't know about you, we were celebrating Mother's Day because there were some newborns in the house. And the reality is, is that the newborn has a lifetime of learning. And I don't care what age you get saved. If it's five years old or 55 years old, you're at a new place in life where the rest of your life is in front of you. God did not save you to sit, but he saved you to serve. He saved you to to win your family. He saved you to win your business. He saved you to win your neighborhood. He saved you to be a part of the body of Christ. He did not call you. And listen, I don't know about you, listen, thank God for the behind parts of the body, but we got enough behind parts of the body that think that's all they can do is sit on their behind, but we need some people that think they are the feet of God. We need some people that think they are the hands of God. We need some people that think they are the mouthpiece of God, and they stand up proclaiming, I am in the body of Christ, and I've got a work to do, and I will not be settled until it is done. Yeah. Ah, I don't know if you watched the game last night uh, of of OKC and and, uh, and and the San Antonio Spurs, and and, and it's real not important who won. Uh, but the reality is, at halftime, uh, 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 Charles Barkley Barkley was talking about Russell Westbrook, and if you know anything about Russell Westbrook, is that he goes a hundred percent all the time. And, and the reality is Charles Barkley looks over at Kenny Smith and Kenny Smith says, sometimes you got to just walk a little bit. Sometimes you got to gear down a little bit. Sometimes you got to get out 100% and get into 70% so that you have something left at the end. Well, I'm so glad that he didn't listen to the critics because there at the very end, when it needed it the most, Russell Westbrook was in 100% mode. And here he come running across through the way up in and won the game. And I'm not saying that because I'm an OKC fan, but I want to let you know that that there are people that are around you that are some critics and that are saying, it don't take all that. Mm. It don't take all that kind of worship. It don't take all that kind of praise. It don't take all that kind of preaching. I want to let you know, you got to stay in 100% because it is God that went to the cross and gave 100% for me. So how dare me stay complacent in who I am when I had a God that gave me everything. Somebody give him some praise right there. Lukewarmness is the killer of revival. Lukewarmness is the killer of revival. Let me tell you what's so special about revival because I grew up in the old school church where I had a drug problem because I was drugged from service to service to service. 
and, 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 and revivals didn't last two and three days like they do now. I'll, I'm talking about we were lucky if they were two or three weeks. I, I had my handprints and my initials underneath pews because I would sit and draw on the bottom of because I was so bored four weeks later. And, and, and the reality is, is that what I found out about revival is it's not even how good the preacher is. It's not even how good the services are. It's by a week into it, your flesh is kicking in and saying, no, I don't want to go. I'm tired tonight. But what happens is you get past your flesh and you begin to say, no, 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 flesh, you're coming subjection under me and I, you are going to revival tonight. And what happens is as the flesh gets out the way, the flesh gets out the way, God begins to move. And I want to let you know that it don't take four weeks of revival for God to move. No, no, no. We can do it in 30 minutes. We can show up and we can be determined that flesh is going out the window and God will move because his spirit is free to do something. I like it because we begin to see there that here... Jesus walks up on a blind man who had been sitting there begging his whole entire life. And he says to him, I want to spit in your eyes in some mud, wipe it on your eyes. But I want to send you to the pool of psyllium. And what's ironic about that is it's not the spit that made him healed. It's not the mud that healed him. But it's when he went out of his place of familiar. Because in my place of familiar, I'm used to being less than. I'm used to having a mentality of a beggar here. But God said to him, get out of your mentality there and go. There. And there is where I'm going to begin to heal you. What's amazing is that here, the disciples, all the disciples, the disciples begin to say, who was it that sinned? Who was it? Was it his mother? Was it his father? Was it him? Who sinned that he was blind? And he said, nobody. He said, I left him like this, that the manifest power of God might be displayed. Mm. So many times we think when God is shaking us and moving us, and the first thing we do is we check ourselves and say, who sinned? I have been in situations to where literally I have checked myself and I said to myself, am I the Jonah in the bunch? Is why this is going on is because of something within me. Come on, you can be honest. Why is my finances decreasing? Why is my health decreasing? Why is my family getting more and more jacked up? Why is everything on heaven and earth beginning to be thrown at me? Why is it that there's more hell in my life than there is heaven? Why is it that nothing is working for me? Why is there more battles than victories? And you begin to have this mentality of what is it, God, that I have done? God, what is it that you have against me? And God said, I'm not shaking you for you, but I am shaking you to get you to a place that my glory might be revealed. Oh, yeah. He said, I'm shaking you. 
Mm. Could you imagine being a, on a nut tree and being a little nut and all of a sudden the tree starts shaking? You would feel like there's an earthquake. You would feel like everything in the world is working against you. But the reality is you are of no value and you are of no use until you come off of that tree, until the fruit is laying on the ground. Can the net nut begin to be used? I want to let you know God is pushing you out of, out of a place of complacency. God is pushing you out of a place of comfort. He is pushing you out of a place of here because here I have a mentality that nothing works for me. Here everything works against me. But over there, if you get there where God is wanting you to go, there will be a level of glory of God that begins to be revealed in the earth because you allowed him to shake you into there. When we begin to speak about darkness and you study it, it means a place of ignorance. And I don't mean people are ignorant. I'm talking about unknowing. And the word light means a place of knowledge or understanding. And and the reality is, as long as we stay in the darkness of who we are, because how many know the enemy wants to keep us right there? The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that he'll make you believe that the dark places that you're walking through, you will become ignorant that God can pull you out of it. You will become to the place that you even believe that God cannot pull you out of it. You will be just like the beggar sitting by the road, setting that beggar and feeling like that life is better there rather than what God is wanting you to do. But if you will grab hold of Jesus' hands and say, no matter what you've got to do, pull me out of here to there Jesus grabs the man and he grabs spit in his hands spit spit somebody say spit spit and mud and he takes this and he rubs it on his eyes he takes clay he takes clay here the potter (laughs) The master potter of the world, the one that formed him in his mother's womb, took the clay and began to reform. Good God. He began to reform what once could not see into something that could see. And I like it because in one area, when he's speaking to Elijah, Elijah speaks to a blind man and the blind man's healed. And God, every single time that he healed someone, it was always in a totally different way than the last time that he had done it. And God takes a very unconventional approach to heal this man. If you are still waiting for your promise and your word to come to pass... Celebrate with those that are getting their promise around you. But your promise may not come the way that their promise is going to come. God may speak and their healing may happen. And you may be in the line, in the altar line saying, God, speak to me. But God may want to do something unconventional in your case. Some may say unconventional. He wants to take an unconventional moment to where like you have never seen before. It has never been done before. Let me say this because you may not know this, but Nitro Campus is on a trial run 
for the church of God to see if this will work. Okay, they're not hearing me, Renee. We are an unconventional church to where God isn't going to do the same way that he does at the church across the street. And if you want conventional, this may not be the church for you. But I am just so pressed to know that God, whatever it is you want to do. And and let me just give you a little testimony because we're passing the test, One Life. Yeah, Yeah, God said, I'll take an unconventional method to see if we can resurrect a dead thing. And, and, And six months ago, we started with a church of less than 40. And this past Sunday, we had 140 something people. In six months, 100 people have been a part of that church. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm telling you one life. You should celebrate that God has taken the spit in the mud and rubbing it in our vision and saying we're doing something new. And I'm sure there was some critics around him. There was some beggars around him and said, that ain't going to work. I've never seen it done that way. There's no way there can be unity between two houses. But I want to let you know there can be unity in houses because we are called for the kingdom for such a time as this. And we got to tell the critics it's time for you to shut up. It's time for you to go away. But I'm going to stand still and hear the voice of the Lord oh my good God you're not hearing what I'm saying he said I'll take an unconventional message unconventional unconventional what's amazing about the word unconventional is that it means unconformed or irregular There is a group of revivalists that are beginning to wake up across America and across the world. And they are calling themselves the Irregulars. The Irregulars. I don't know about you. I don't want to run with regular church folk any longer. Listen, I thank God if you have grown up in church and are still on fire. But I'm so glad that that we are bringing people in at Nitro. That that are beginning that 50% are people that have not been saved. or, Or people that have been backsliding from God and they're not a bunch of church transfers because God is raising up a bunch of irregulars that says I want more of the presence of God and I don't want church as usual I don't want church as usual I don't just want one fast song and two slow songs but I want to worship until God you are done God I don't just want a cute little message that's sitting on a stool but God I want the anointing of God flow to where it shakes the demons in the region and a regular stand up and say God use me let me work on you one life hurricane you got to get out of this comfort zone of saying what God can do and what God can't do because I'm telling you God is not going to do it the way he want, that you want him to do but God will do it the way that he wants to do it and he'll bring in a backslidden addictive pornography addicted prostitute to sit right down beside you and say I love Jesus just as much as you do and I can't wait for the day that we begin to seek drug addicts in this region lay the heroin down at the altar and say it is enough with everything that I'm doing listen 
He told him, he said, go to the pool of Siloam. God, I'm trying to wrap this up. To the pool of Siloam. The pool of Siloam is the word Siloam means scent. It means scent. It means scent. I'm also reminded because the mandated gift that is on Bishop Matthews and is also on my own life is the apostolic prophetic gift that speaks to regions. And the word apostolic or apostle means sent. God is raising up apostolic prophetic hubs around the world that says we are not scared of the demons in regions because we know a God that is stronger than every single thing that you can throw at the church. He said, go. I am believing as God has shaken the very foundation of what God is doing in this earth, that he is raising up some sent ones, my good God. He is raising up some irregular sent ones that says, I will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, even when it's popular and it's not popular. I'll do it when it's a fad and not a fad, because I'm not in this to be cute. I'm in this to win people to Jesus. I'm in this because I believe the blood of Jesus still works. It is the blood of Jesus that goes to the highest mountain. And I thank God that it reached me in the lowest valley. I thank God that it still works. I thank God that the blood still works. I said the blood, the blood still works. The blood, the blood, the blood still works. And we need a group of people that are and say, God, send me. Send me to the nations. Send me to Hurricane. Send me to Nitro. Send me wherever you want to send me. Because, God, I'm willing to see you move. There is a sent place. And what I found out is that that sent place begins to be like a sweet-smelling sacrifice. In the same way that God is attracted to it, he will bring some other irregular folk that is attracted to it. I want to challenge you. Start telling people your testimony. Every bit of it. Stop holding on to it. Listen, God pulled you out of that mess for a reason. And other people need to hear your mess. And not just the mess, but they need to hear the message of Jesus that he pulled you out of the mess. Here they come around. They finally got to the man, the pool of Siliam. And here come the religious folk. And what's amazing is that when they went to go find the beggar, they couldn't find him because they didn't know what he looked like any longer. And what's amazing is the word of God says, with no stretching it, it said, no, he just looks like the man. Oh, I thank God that I still look like the one I used to look like. That when you see me, there's a man that looks just like Rich. That was, that was a mess. That was addicted to anything you could find. That was angry and abused and beaten down. But I thank God even when I look in the mirror and I look back over my life, 
I don't even recognize the man that stands in front of me. That he looks like him, but it ain't him any longer. And I don't know about you, if there is them that don't look like you any longer, you ought to give God some praise that you don't look like him any longer. Uh, the beggar began to look at him, and they said, is it you? He said, I am he. I don't know about you, if you recognize that out of the word. He said, I am. I am. I am. I am. It's funny, when, when Moses went before Pharaoh, he said, tell him who sent you. He said, tell him, I am that sent you. <laughs> well, God, when Jesus stood before Pilate, and he said, who are you? He said, I am. Meaning, I've changed my position. I'm no longer a beggar, but I am in a am position and you need to look at the devil that I am a woman of God I am a man of God I am not the same as I used to be but it is the I am that is inside of me that is going to reach a region and reach a school and reach a business and reach my family because of the I am position that is locked up inside of me and I dare you just to shout I am Stand with me tonight, Rob, if you'll come. Shoot.